This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ahead of the first ever competitive matchup between Manchester City and Inter Milan, we've drafted in two Italian football journalists to preview the thoughts from the opposition side. Joining me will be Ewan Burns and Connor Clancy from Total Italian Football. It's Thursday the 7th of June. I'm Amos Murphy and this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, your online home for all the best household beers at refreshingly low prices. Purchase today and get an extra £5 off all orders with the code CityPod05 as we gear up for a mammoth couple of weeks of cup finals. UK only, 18 and over, drink responsibly. Well guys, welcome to the show. Ewan, first off... um, Hello and welcome to the City Report Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. We're going continental for, for, well, probably the third time this season. We've had a few opposition journalists joining us, but it's great to have you first and foremost. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much for asking us. It's going to be, I'm, I'm chuffed about this game coming up because I missed the Roma one, but I will see the other two <laughs> of all of our many teams in finals. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, Connor? As um, as the the now infamous advert said, Calcio is back, and you're not going to oh, be Jesus. able to do the the uh, the the treble in terms of European finals. But Fiorentina, they're in it. Roma obviously lost. Now Inter Milan on Saturday. It's, it's a good time for Italian football, isn't it? It is. But can I just start as I very much mean to go on? Um, Calcio is very much not back. <laughs> it's not. This is weird. It doesn't make any sense that this is happening. Anybody that's watched Serie A regularly this season will be mm. painfully aware of that. But it's it's nice to have three Italian teams in the final. But I think we'll be reflecting at the end of the season with zero Italian European trophies. Maybe we'll be thinking, ah, maybe Fabio Capello shouldn't have said that. 
<laughs> well, Fabio Capello shouldn't have said something stupid. Surely not. That is <laughs> that is completely uh, a complete shock to me. But um, we'll jump into to the big one, obviously, on Saturday: City versus Inter Milan. Um, you and I'll, I'll start with you, and I, I just want to sort of briefly run through Inter Milan season so far because they've been on a little bit of a journey the last few years. It has to be said, obviously. I think going back to five years ago, it was, it was pretty, it, it looked like it was a long way away before Inter Milan were going to be able to get back into the Champions League. That obviously happened. Then they won the Scudetto in 2021 before obviously this this uh, Champions League run, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But Napoli crowned champions and deservedly so, but it hasn't been a bad season for Inter, has it? No, it's it's been a weird one because up until the last maybe two, three months, I'd, I'd probably say it has been a bad one. In the sense that this is, you know, squad-wise, this is the team that should have been battling Napoli all the way through yeah. the whole thing, and they were essentially never there. It was only at the very end of the season that they exhibited the kind of form, you know, once it was clear Napoli were going to win the league anyway, they exhibited the kind of form that would challenge Napoli. Um, cup-wise, obviously, they've done very well. They won the Coppa Italia, they won the Supercoppa, they've got to this final, um, but the the league season is even though it's ended well form-wise, it's still underwhelming really for what they've got on the books. Yeah. Um, Connor, do you think Inter Milan, is it, is it fair to say Inter Milan have the best squad in Serie A? In terms of the fact, obviously, Napoli starting 11, I think everyone's been besotted with the Cravacellia, Ozzyman link up. That's been fantastic. Obviously, Kim at the back as well in that midfield, which has been working wonders. But Pound for pound, you look through the sort of the first 18 names on that team sheet, Inter Milan are stacked. And, and granted, you know, Mkhitaryan, maybe a little bit past it in terms of Premier League years and a few players like that, Edin Dzeko, another one. But in terms of pure quality, they've, they've got a fantastic squad. Yeah, I don't think it's close. I think Inter have, by a considerable distance, the best squad in Serie A. If you look at the, the team that they played on the final day of the season was against Torino, obviously. They made some changes, but they still had... Robin Gosens at left back, a guy who they paid Atalanta decent money from. And before he made that move, he was the best left-sided player, arguably in Europe, definitely in in Italy. Romelu Lukaku played up front. He doesn't always start. <laughs> like, they just had this ridiculous team. And they've been playing for the last few months without arguably their, their best defender in Milan Skriniar because a combination of things. He's on his way out. He's going to PSG. But he's also had back surgery, I think it was. You and I, I can't remember Oof. exactly what what yeah, the issue was yeah, there. Was. But Inter, After a lot of people thought he was just faking injury and yeah. then it turned out he'd had back surgery. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to the world of Italian football and there are still people who don't quite believe that he had that back surgery or that it was necessary back surgery. But the fact is that it, Ewan's dead right when he says that it's been a weird season and I think if we're to analyse this as a Serie A season, Inter have had a really rotten campaign because to... To finish 18 points off top spot with that squad is close mm. to criminal. And they really have been saved by their, their Coppa Italia win. The fact that the Supercoppa came against Milan as well made it that little bit more important, particularly because Milan were the Italian champions when they played. And now to get into the Champions League final, I'm sorry to be that guy, but look at the run. Like They played, mm. with all due respect, Benfica... Porto, you would love to have those two teams en route to a Champions League final. Um, so they've been quite fortunate to get this far. And then Milan, like Milan haven't been a good team this season. So I think Inter's season as a whole, 
if they win the Champions League, they silence everybody and, and you can't say anything about it. But mm. if we're not going to be results-based and actually just look at what has happened compared to what should have happened, like Inter were by far the favourites to win the title this year and they've come nowhere near it. I think it has been a disappointing season from them. Why is that then, Ewan? Because, you know, like I said before, you're looking through this, the squad and I, and I want to speak about individuals shortly and sort of pick the bones out of who are the star players for Inter Milan. But that obviously 3-5-2 is, is a well-versed formation by now on the continent. You know, some managers have figured it out. Some managers are still having trouble with it. But it's, it's working for Inter. Inzaghi's got them playing. But why is it that they've struggled in Serie A? But obviously, you know, granted, the run was easier. But you've still got to be... You, your local rivals in Milan, you've got to get through a European, sort of European giant. I don't know what the, the one below a giant is, like a... A, 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 a dormant giant, know. maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in Benfica, and obviously Porto have got pedigree in Europe as well. But but what is it that has been sort of so underwhelming in Serie A, but has worked on the continent in, in, uh, in the Champions League? I think, for me, I think it primarily comes down to the, the spine of the team for up until the last couple of months. They just had too many key players underperform all at once, basically. I don't think you can pinpoint one thing that maybe Inzaghi has done that's made the team worse or whatever. I mean, the first thing you can sort of, that's obvious, you can get out of the way is that they were without, without Lukaku for almost mm-hmm. the entire season up until the last few months. So that's that's not going to help. Um, but at the same time, Lautaro has done that thing where he's ending on a superb goals tally, but also there's large parts of the season where he doesn't do anything. This is, this is what he is, um, isn't it? This is exactly yeah, it's, what it's, he is. It's really annoying. <laughs> um, like David but then, Nugent. Oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> come on. I like David Nugent in the day, but that is hard. <laughs> um, yeah, you got him. You've got uh, Bastoni didn't perform for a, a long while at the level. Like He, he, he was still defending more or less okay but he wasn't doing the offensive stuff that he was doing the season before Nicola Barella wasn't playing as well um, Brozovic dis- he, he, partly he had an injury but also even before that he kind of went a bit AWOL M- Mkhitaryan has picked up I'd say Mkhitaryan and Giannolo have picked up quite a lot of slack for Brozovic and Barella this season that they've they've both played very well for large parts of the season um, and then obviously the Skriniar thing he, he was playing well and then disappeared for transfer slash back surgery. Um, and I just think there's there's just too many players who spent too much of the season not playing at the level they can play at. And that's why there's then been times during the season where suddenly they've played really well and put in a really good performance. And you're like, oh my God, look, Inter are great. Why aren't they doing this all the time? That always makes me think, though, with, with Inter, that the fact that they're so streaky, if we take Lataro aside, because he's the streakiest player that I can remember in football, he goes from being the best striker in the world to someone that you wouldn't have in like a mid-table starting 11 at times. But they've lost 12 times in Serie A this season. Now, that is an unbelievably high number for a team that has the best squad in Serie A. But when you look at the teams they've lost against, like they've they've beaten all the big teams. Napoli were unbeaten until Inter beat them at the beginning of January. I think mm. it was the first match they back after the World Cup. And they've taken care of everybody, basically. When big teams come up against them, Inter generally switch it on. And that shows that they're capable of doing it. And that, to me, speaks less to like just weird inconsistencies that we're seeing in football, but more to do with something is not quite right in their minds for most of the time. Mm. Like They almost need to know that the pressure is at its absolute maximum for 
to get the best out of themselves. And like Inzaghi's always got this reputation of being a cup coach. And I think that goes hand in hand with this weird dynamic of the interdressing room where they need to be playing good teams to play well. But it's massively problematic. And and that, I think, is why Antonio Conte was probably the perfect coach for this dressing room because it's not all that different, the dressing room. There's been a few changes made, but he doesn't allow for that to happen. And, and maybe it's just a natural drop-off of Conte having left and not having to hit as high standards because the standards he demands are kind of like freakish and unmeetable. Mm. But it's got to be something going on in, in the heads of those interplayers. And to me, that falls back on onto Inzaghi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a fascinating season. Really is a fascinating season. And and I think what's made into seasons so interesting is is the individuals. And, and one of them I want to speak about, uh, firstly, Onana, the goalkeeper, who's obviously come in. And for anyone who, who obviously doesn't follow Inter Milan, Handanovic was the man for quite a number of years. And I believe you and he's, he's revered by the Nerazzurri. He is the man. He's the goalkeeper. He's a sort of a, a legend, really, of Inter Milan. And obviously, Onana had the 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 ban with the uh, the substances, which he obviously refutes and, and was out of the game for a while. But he's come in and he's he's sort of he's he's now linked to a move to Chelsea, and and most people have been linked to a, a move to Chelsea. Probably us three on this show at one point this season as well. But he is he has been <laughs> a really safe pair of hands, hasn't he? Since he's come in, what what sort of impact has he had? Obviously, starting the season on the bench, but um, quickly into the starting eleven. Yeah, it was quite weird with him at the start because he was one of them. For a long time before he joined, it was what, what what they call it in Italy is when when they blocked him basically. Like it's not an official deal, but he's blocked. Um, and basically, it was it was clear he was going to come in, but there was a question mark over whether he's going to be number one straight away. Handanovic, like they they adore him, but everyone's very aware that like he is error prone and he's not the, he's not the goalkeeper he, falls he like was. Like a tree now um, as well. Yeah, and the the more maybe the more critical section of Inter fans would basically say that he should have been replaced about three years ago, really, as number one. Um, but he did start, he started the season as number one. I think, I think Onana played like maybe two games for Ajax at the back, when his, at the back mm. end of last season when his ban had run out. Um, and then suddenly he's at Inter. So, so they didn't start him as number one straight away, but they, they gently phased him in. And then there was one league game, I guess it must have been, around October or start of November, where it was Onana started the league game. He is number one now. Um, and he's been superb. I'm struggling to think of any... Uh, granted, I have bad memory of these things, but I'm struggling to think of a specific like error that he's made during the season. Um, I think he's, he's, he's a very, very proactive goalkeeper. He does a lot for them that Handanovic just couldn't really do you know and Danovich is 39 now I think you know, he's, he's an old style goalkeeper mm. and is a totally different type of player um, and I think that is one that given they got him for free that is one bit of business that Inter have done extremely well in the past year yeah yeah um Connor, talk to me about the, the striker situation because it, it's another fascinating sort of part of this Inter Milan team. The fact that they've they've had Romelu Lukaku, who was out injured, as we've mentioned, for a good chunk of the season. But it was him and Lutaro in that Scudetto winning uh, campaign a couple of years ago who were tearing it up. You know, they looked made for each other. Lukaku gets this odd move back to Chelsea, £98 million, whatever it was. Doesn't work out for him. He goes back to Inter Milan on loan, which is probably one of the deals of the century. But 
he then comes back in at the start of the season, doesn't really, obviously the injury is a massive part of it, but he, he's out of the team for a while. And then Edin Dzeko comes back in, who obviously people of this parish listening to this show will remember fondly as, a, again, a Man City legend or at least a cult hero. I find it so interesting the way they can just drop Edin Dzeko in at what is he now, sort of mid-30s, late-30s, and he just sort of, he, he looks like he's a youthful 28-year-old playing for Wolfsburg again. Mm, I think the best thing that's happened to Ed and Dzeko this season is that Romelu Lukaku refound his fitness and a bit of form with it at the end of the season because it allowed Inter to use him in that way. It's allowed Inter mm-hmm. to not have to play him all the time because he's not able for it. Like, I don't know how many games Inter have played this season, but it's got to be over 50, right? Like, there's no way Ed and Jack would be capable of playing that at his age. I think even to do half of that, 90 minutes and half of those would be tough for him. But to have that ability to rotate and for Lautaro to be as active, as mobile as he is, I think he's the perfect partner for someone like Jekko and Lukaku as well, to be fair. Like, Lukaku's got this skill set of being able to partner both of them because he can do all the movement, but... He is also a brilliant focal point for Lautaro to do the movement around him. I think what kind of sums up just how well Jekyll has done generally into but also towards the end of the season, like Connor says, is that while Lukaku has been fit for quite a while now and has been playing games and has been scoring goals as well, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Jekyll starts the final. I think he does, yeah. Lautaro. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, Take it even further. I think he will. <laughs> now that I've got some confirmation, I think he will start. <laughs> he will start the final. Great insight into um, Ewan's mind there, by the way. He's <laughs> Lino, and I'll like, say, I think that, and he'll be like, yeah, that's my opinion now too. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. hint this out there a little bit. <laughs> yes, I thought this all along. Um, no, yeah, I think he, he, he probably will because that I'm pretty sure he, he did for the Coppa Italia final, um, which you know is a slightly easier game against mm. Fiorentina than Man City. Um, but still, he, he seems to not only trust him in big games, but he's often been trusting towards the end of the season just from the start of games, generally. Um, he scored and... in the Supercopper final too, didn't he? Ooh, that's many months I've ago. Seen now, one it? of the but photos that I, I remember is him finishing one pass. <laughs> it would have been Tato Rosano at the time, wouldn't it? But... He certainly scored in at least one derby this season, hmm. uh, of the five. <laughs> 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 I'd hope he would, really, from <laughs> five derbies. But... Um, but yeah, I think you might be right. I think there's one in sort of fairly golden looking lighting, isn't there, that we've got on the website somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think as well, there's there's a lot to be said for... So if if this is just like any other game and I'm to choose Inter's best 11, I start with Lautaro and Lukaku up top and hmm. Dzeko's not even close to, to Lukaku's level for me when they're both at it. But for a Champions League final against this Manchester City team, I think... Jekko's probably just that got that little bit more like Lukaku's an experienced player, but Jekko's like been everywhere. You know, he's he's just got that little bit more about him for me for this type of game. And then if you want someone to come on and change a game, I don't think Jekko's that guy, whereas Lukaku very mm. much is. Like it was the Lazio game. I can't remember how long ago this was now because all of the football has just become one very long weekend of late. But you and you might know when Napoli had the chance to win the league the first time um, against Salernitana. Yeah, so earlier that yeah. day, the the Napoli game got moved because of this Inter Lazio game. Um, Lazio needed to win away at Inter, and basically everyone decided that that was impossible to happen, and Lazio weren't going to win. Lazio went one 0 up, and Lukaku came on, and he just completely changed the game. Like 
I don't think he scored in it, but he set up two goals or got an assist, the, the pre-assist. But he was just brilliant as soon as he came off the pitch and or onto the pitch. And Dzeko doesn't have that same ability to just come on and say, right, this game is mine now. I'm impacting it. And every time I've got the ball, something's going to happen. You don't have to think about Edin Dzeko as a defender as much as you have to think about Romelu Lukaku. So for that reason, I'd start Lukaku on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's so interesting because obviously many, many moons ago when he was a Manchester City player, he actually he actually sort of fell out of an interview once because they dubbed him a super sub and mm. that was his role. He would come off the bench and, he, and Dzeko, this is, would impact the game. Obviously, it's changed around now. His fitness has dropped off, understandably so, but I'm, I'm really excited to see that. I'm, well, maybe excited is the wrong word because I'm just convinced he scores against City. The narrative is, is too perfect for it, but it'd be really interesting to see the setup. And, and final question then of part one. Um... Ewan, obviously, it's it's beyond a cliche to suggest that Italian sides are all ultra defensive. Inter Milan finished the season as as poor as it is, in your words. The fact that they they didn't go on to sort of really challenge for the Scudetto, but they were the, one of the top scorers in the league. What would City fans be able to expect from this Inzaghi team in a final? Presumably, they will suffer without the ball, but they might be quite happy to do that. Nobody knows. <laughs> that was like a Mourinho <laughs> answer. <laughs> <laughs> Inter is stupid. Um, they, I mean, look, this, they're, they're in uncharted waters, essentially. I mean, apart from, I'm trying to think who in their squad has been in a Champions League final, and I'm struggling. Oh, good Possibly question. nobody. Um, and, yeah, you, you look at, arguably, the most European pedigree in the squad would be Mkhitaryan. He's, he's won both the other competitions. Mm. Um, and he possibly won't even be fit. So that you know that they're in. I know that you know City have never won it, but they were in the final very recently, and they've got a lot of players in that squad who've been consistently winning the Premier League and stuff in recent years. So, in theory, City have got the edge in terms of going into a into a big game with the confidence of playing it the way they want to play it. Um, I can I can imagine Inzaghi just almost letting them go at it and see what happens. I'm not sure it's fully in their nature to just sit there and wait to see what happens kind of thing. I think if they do that, they might be asking for trouble. Um, Inter are very physical. They've got loads of very fast players. They can they can pass the ball extremely well when when they're doing it right. Um, and I think they, they are able to play through anyone mm. at, at the right time. They can pass the ball through anyone at the right time. And I think, I think that is how they should approach the game. How they will approach it, I genuinely couldn't tell you because... They are a silly football team. They've not played because they can, they can pass the ball through anybody, but nobody is Manchester City. Like th- this City team yeah, is. You have to live in hope. It? It's like <laughs> the only like I, I'm you and I messaged you earlier about this, but Sid Lowe is never short of like an excellent way of describing something, and he mm. described Erling Haaland yeah. today as that thing that plays for Manchester City, and <laughs> I, I kind of just feel like. Erling Haaland is that thing that plays for those things because Manchester City as as a team are just so ridiculous as well. Like, there's nobody in Italy that presses like City do. There's nobody in in mm. Italy that's as well versed in what they need to do as this City team are. And it's it's scary from an Italian perspective because I, I don't think it's impossible that Inter win, but equally i don't think it's impossible that inter lose six nil like i think those two things are both equally as possible for this final and it's it's ridiculous to for that to be a thing 
I think the scariest thing about this city, I mean, I spend the majority of my time trying to avoid watching Manchester City if I can, but <laughs> invariably two, two to three times a year, um, I'm subjected to it, and one of them happened the other day. And one of the scariest things is that it's the speed that they get back in numbers. It's it's frightening. Like that, I, I I don't think that there can't be a fitter team in mm. football. Because just the second the opposition get the ball, no matter where they are on the pitch, and no matter how much space you think they've got to run into, suddenly there's three players around them, they're just crowded out. Um, which is why Inter are going to have to be completely clinical. Because you know, e- even if Inter play one of their best games of the season, they- they're going to get probably th- two good chances, if they're lucky, in the whole game, probably. Is Lautaro the man you trust to be clinical? Ask we saw him in the World Cup final, didn't we? Yeah, that's it, exactly. <laughs> but like, Lataro's this player that he goes through these 10-game runs where he scores his first chance and then he scores two or three. You know, he's phenomenal. But mm. if he gets a chance early on and misses it, just right, just take him off there and then because that's his game done because he just lets it eat him alive. But I don't know. I just I, There's something about this Inter team that I don't trust their, like, their clinical edge. And they're gonna need to be clinical. Like even Barella's probably their best midfielder. I, I still don't trust his maturity enough for a game like mm. this to just to not be overwhelmed by it. But I don't know. Well, they've, they've got a Croatian player and City don't. So if anything, if the last ten years <laughs> of Champions League football is anything to go by, they, they're all, <laughs> the name's already on the trophy. Um, that'll do for part one. Join us in a moment where we'll ask the question: What the feeling is like in Italy ahead of this game? We're in the home straight, folks, so gear up for a mammoth two weeks of cup finals by stocking up with Beer Monster. It's the best place to find all your household ale names at refreshingly low prices. And as a dedicated City Report podcast listener, you can grab an extra £5 off all orders with the code CityPod05. That's CityPod05 for an extra fiver off all orders. UK only, 18 and over, drink responsibly. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, right, okay then, straight back into it. You and what's the feeling in Italy? How, how are they viewing this? Because obviously we had a laugh and a joke about Calcio being back, but as has been alluded, they may end up with no European trophies, they may end up with a couple. Is this sort of, is it seen, is it billed as a watershed moment, uh, an Italian team back in the European Cup final? Or is it a bit of a sort of a flash in the pan? This is some, something that is great, but it probably won't happen again next season, the season after the season in five years' time. Um, I, think, I think certainly social media-wise, it, it's, it's mixed between people like Connor and I who are desperately trying to refute the whole culture is back thing, like we were saying earlier, earlier in the podcast, because, you know, that that's just that's just not the case in a in a mm. long term sense. Yeah, yes, it's wonderful that there's three teams in the finals and everyone is happy about that. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to mean that it, there's going to be some sort of world domination going on for the next decade. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but you know, it's it's exciting nonetheless. It, it's an Italian team in the Champions League final. It doesn't happen very often. Um, I think there would potentially be a bit more excitement around if they were against almost anyone else. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it's exciting nonetheless. I mean, Connor obviously actually lives in Italy, so if I don't know what the word on the street in Parma is. but <laughs> I've not been in Parma much in the last while, to be honest. But... That's true, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I think there is just that over sen- overwhelming sense of 
this could go really badly. Like basically everybody that's put up to the press to speak gets asked, um, are you anxious? Are you nervous? And I, I think there's only so many times that can be put to you before it starts to creep into your mindset. Like even if you're coming into it in the most positive, optimistic way possible, if every time you speak to the press, people are just asking you, oh, are you scared yet? Are you nervous? They're good, aren't they? <laughs> that will start to get into your mind. Like I just, obviously there is that excitement, but like I'm just looking at Gazetta's front page now and the words that are being thrown up are like, uh, Damian's talking about City are being more than Haaland. Um, Onana is being asked about the fear of Manchester City. Zanetti's talking about anxiety and someone else is talking about miracles. I can't remember who that was, but like Bastoni's <laughs> talking about miracles. Like if, if those are the words that are getting the headlines about mm. the team from in the biggest publication of the country ahead of the, the biggest game Italian football has had since I guess 2017 when Juventus got to the final last, it doesn't look good. So there is that, like that, that whole culture was back nonsense. Like, there is that side of Italian football where everybody likes to pat themselves on the back and everybody likes to mm. talk about how I think it's in each of the last three seasons, Serie A has had more goals than any other of Europe's top five leagues. Like, look how good this is. But there's also the other side that realizes, well, that's because nobody can defend anymore. And that's because everybody's <laughs> rubbish tactically now. And there is that other side. So it, nobody is like in the middle about this everybody's either dreading it or is getting a little bit too excited about it on the other side of things that's funny because i think back to 2006 when italy won the world cup last italian football's greatest successes tend to come out of the the period of sort of quote unquote darkness then and obviously there's a cloud hanging over juventus and a lot of the attention on italian football right now is off the field stuff so perhaps maybe it might work in inter milan's favor we'll we'll have to wait and see but but you and in terms of inter themselves what what does this final mean to get to get to the final and potentially get the hands on their fourth european uh european cup obviously a little bit like city in a, in a very different sense Inter have lived in the shadow of the city rivals in terms of European football. Milan have seven, Inter have three, which is you know fantastic for Inter, but they've got seven down, well, not even down the road in the same stadium in the same museum. What what does it mean for the Nerazzurri to be back in a Champions League final? Incidentally, before Milan did it themselves, it, it means everything, but is also simultaneously a bit odd in the sense that you, you can't say that this is. In the way that it is for City, you can't say that this is like the crescendo of mm. a big project that has been leading to this. Like, you know, they, they weren't meant to be in the Champions League final at this stage. You know, the the owners still don't know if they're coming or going. There's mm. huge question marks over almost every facet of Inter. It's, it's been actually surprisingly quiet for the past maybe six months in terms of the whole world seeming to implode on Inter. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> happening with Milan this morning instead. But... Um, Usually there'd be more drama around into coming into a game like this, um, so it's a bit of a weird one. It obviously it's it's massive for them in in every way, but also if they do lose, it's it's not going to be as dramatic a thing as it will be if City lose. You know, if, if City lose again, it's they've still not won it. When are they going to do it again? Yada yada. Whereas if Inter lose, it's like well we we did well to get there, didn't we? Sort of thing. And while they'd be absolutely desperate to get 
one step closer to Milan. Um, because it's not really obvious where the next win comes from in the Champions League for either team. <laughs> um, it, it It's definitely... There's a lot less expectation on them, despite being such a massive club. Do, do you think, Connor, that... And, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way at all. I, no, I'm go on, one of them do people... It. Harrison at the moment saying <laughs> saying that the game is not done Inter can win the game but do you think their final was against Milan in the semi-final in the sense that was the game they simply could not lose and, and obviously the same for Milan as well that was the game they cannot lose is this now well it is a free hit tactically because they're not expected to win but is it genuinely for for Inter fans like okay whatever happens happens or is there a genuine sort of an expectation a, a sort of um we are the team that has got a Champions League in the past. City don't. You know, we can go there and we can win. That's really difficult because I, I do think it's better to lose the final than it is to lose to to them in the semi-final, mm. right? And, and that was true of either team. But I, I just, like, if Inter don't win the final, which I don't think they will, but of course they can, both teams look at this season, like Milan's has been a disaster, it's mm. we're gonna have an article on the website probably tomorrow, but it, it's been one of the worst ever attempted Serie A title defenses. Like it's been absolutely horrid. But Inter have lost twelve times, twelve times in Serie A. So, <laughs> so both of these teams will will end the season feeling a little bit like losers. But Inter will have a Coppa Italia and a Supercoppa in, in their pocket, and maybe a Champions League. Who knows? So, mm. y- yes and no, like. Yeah, it, the real final for the the real meaning the not real final was definitely the semi final. I sound like I'm working for a Spanish publication now and they call everything <laughs> a final, but like it, it was definitely essential to not lose that game. And I think if they had lost that game, I'm not sure Inzaghi would have seen the season out, which shows just how wow. precarious his position was there for a while. But when it comes to the final, like the, I don't think anybody expects Inter to win. I, I take your point about how like it's been well documented in the last few years that probably overstated how Pep Guardiola overthinks things and things seem to get on top of Manchester City when it gets a little bit tough in the Champions League. But from the outside looking in, I get a different feeling from this Manchester City team. Like The way they mm. beat Real Madrid was not something I've ever seen happen before the mm. way Manchester City just like swatted Arsenal aside when they played each other recently and, and that was effectively like a, a final right mm. so this City team just feel like they have a little bit more to them and that's only normal because you get to this point by falling short a few times in the past right so while Inter have that Champions League pedigree nobody there now knows what it's like to be in a Champions League final, as Ewan said earlier. The last win was in 2010. It's a whole other lifetime ago. Whereas this Manchester City team, they've kind of cut their teeth. They've done the ugly bits. They've had the sufferings. They've had the the heartbreaks that prepares them for this. Whereas this mm-hmm. Inter team, I think they need to have the heartaches before they're ready to do that. And that's going to come this Saturday, isn't it? <laughs> Fingers crossed from my end. But I know what you mean. You've got to, you've got to, 
be burned to know not yeah. to touch the fire again sort of thing. There is that sense and City were burned against Chelsea who obviously touched the fire in previous years in the Champions League finals. But we'll, we'll begin to wrap up and, and I'll ask this question to you, Ewan, because City are a, a club who our supporters know very well enough that it is sort of a football club clouded in off-field controversy quite a lot of the time. But into uh, the same, in a sense, I remember going back a good few years now, I was listening to Guardian Football Weekly with Nicky Bandini and, and they were saying perhaps there's a real possibility somewhere down the line into going to, I don't know, insolvency or administration or something as serious as that. Obviously, it's not happened, but this isn't just a massive game for Inter on the pitch. Financially, there's a lot of repercussions. Financially, there's been a lot of benefits from this Champions League run already. What's the sort of state of play in uh, from the inter side in terms of their financial concerns right now, this this run has been massive, and yeah, it's been exactly the same for Milan because I think Milan are set to actually turn a profit this year. Wow! Which <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think they did last year, but it was like ten million, or yeah, it was mm. relatively speaking very tiny. Whereas in this, this season, they're meant to turn an actual profit that a football club should be doing kind of thing yeah. which is which is huge because um, you know it, it's the repeated involvement in the Champions League is where the money is and it has been that's where it's been for Inter and it has saved them in the last two three years um, like I say the, the, the owners it, in theory the club has been for sale for a, a long time um, they're meant to want a billion uh, a billion euro, I think it is, for the club, and they won't settle for any less. And they've taken out these various loans, which have kind of hamstrung the club. That, that you know, that's that's the root of why Conte left, um, and why they had to sell Hakimi and Lukaku in the first place. Um, and you know, that's all gotten a bit quieter, but it's not none of it's really solved. Mm. Um, and I think this run to the final, the money it brings has. You know, it's it's massive figures. Each round you go, you get an extra like fifteen to twenty odd million, and then there's all the gate receipts and all that, and the, the share in the market pool. All all of that all adds up massively, and it's it's a big big deal for basically any Italian club. Um, and that that's why for the for the boardroom, even if they lose this, you know, yes, they want to win it, but even if they lose this, they're going to think, okay, but that that was great. That's sort of that's given us a lovely little buffer to to, mm. to avoid some sort of disaster in the summer. We might not need to sell everyone this summer kind of thing. We we can get that extra 15 million quid guy, whatever. Um, so yeah, that that that's probably how they're viewing it in a financial sense. If, if Barella wants to swap uh, Milan for Manchester, I'm more than happy to welcome him through the door. Um, kind of final question, and, and it's a philosophical one, I guess, and, and absolutely no shame for, for picking either way. But is there a feeling that, perhaps in the wider football environment, this is the old guard versus the new money. Obviously, like I said, Manchester City are in wider circles, not very well liked for, for pretty obvious and understandable reasons at, at times. Inter Milan played their first European Cup final in the 1960s. They are one of the behemoths of European football. Manchester City were playing the likes of Macclesfield just 30-odd years ago, 20-odd years ago. You know, this is a, a, a magical rise for City and we've talked about it a lot of the time, but it has been quite well-funded. Is there a feeling that this is the chance for, I don't know, an Inter Milan to go and stop City from being crowned European champions and then everyone else can ride away in the sunset and, and football can be saved? Is that is that fair? Is that a fair assumption? I don't want to put you on the spot, but is, that, is there a feeling, is there a sense that perhaps maybe that's the case? You're trying to get my Twitter notifications. Uh, oh, mate, don't worry about it. No chance. Um, 
like I'm tempted to say that anybody who isn't a Manchester City fan should be desperate for Inter to win the Champions mm. League because look, everybody knows the the project that Manchester City is. I'm not a big fan of that type of project in football, no, but then on the other fine. side of things, there's a lot of I'm not saying this is true of all Inter fans, obviously, but Inter's ultras are well known for having a, a very close connection mm-hmm. and brotherhood with Lazio's ultras. And everybody knows the political leanings of the ultras in Lazio. Um, those political leanings are also true of Inter's. So on both sides, there are things that mm. um, I'm not big fan of. But yeah, let's hope Inter do it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There, 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 was, there was what we were after. Uh, Just briefly, sorry, on Barilla, because you mentioned him. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing this of up. Doubt. He's never leaving <laughs> he, Italy. I know, I know. <laughs> well, there's that. And there's also in the final, he's either going to absolutely run the show and win the whole thing single-handedly, or he's getting a straight red card. I, there is no in-between. He'll have... Man. He will have a moment on the pitch, however the game goes, that gets instantly memed and gift, and you'll see it forevermore on social media with the caption, something, something, something Italian, because he's very expressive. Um, (laughs) What's it going to be? It'll be something involving hands and a yellow card. Yeah, I look forward maybe a to a little it. slap on somebody. Or yeah, something. yeah. I think I heard well, a commentator we'll... say recently. Apparently, every a lot of people in the inter squad don't like him. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's he's meant to be very like quite self absorbed and, and just generally too dramatic, um, which I could quite vividly picture. You've reminded me of a story yeah. about someone of a similar age at another big Italian club that I need to tell you off air. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. That, that, that's for the Patreon one day. Um, <laughs> chaps, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Carlo, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed that. Thanks very much. You and likewise, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers very much. And if you want to, you can head over to Total Italian Football for all the latest Italian football news, both men's and women's fantastic website. And obviously, check these two guys out, personal Twitter accounts in the handle. Um, that's another show. We've got one more of the week left to come. Until next time, it's been fantastic. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.